Hey, welcome to The Revolutionized Mind, a platform about all things mental health. I'm your host, Angelica Galuzzo, and on this show, we use real stories and eye-opening conversations to make you feel less alone and a little more optimistic about what's ahead of you. Come on a journey with me. Bring your most authentic self, and let's revolutionize the mind. Reforming society, repairing your mentality, restoring your life. This is The Revolutionized Mind. Good morning, everybody, and happy Friday. I hope you've had an amazing week and have a super fun or relaxing, whatever your vibe is, weekend ahead. This is my first time sitting and recording at my new desk, which I'm super excited about. Obviously, I've been podcasting for about a year and a half now. My last job was work from home, so I've been in this area for quite a bit of time. And I was actually using a fold-up table this entire time, a long one, just because I had like my work stuff on one side, my podcast on another, and everything else in between. So since I just started a new full-time work-from-home position, I thought it was finally time to level up my life and get a real desk. So it's set up now. I'm still waiting for a few more little things. That way when it looks all cute, I can post it and show you my new space. But just know I'm super excited to be sitting here and feel much more like a real professional, I'll call it, human. Today's episode is with two amazing women who I'm so glad I've gotten the chance to connect with. I've chatted with them a few times now and I just think our values and goals are so, so similar and it's wild to think that they're like far west coast in the States and I'm up here in Toronto just like how we can actually connect with people when you're not geographically very close, but how the online space can kind of just connect you with these people who have so many similarities to you and you can actually build a really great friendship with. So that's my little cheesy way of saying these women are amazing and we really do dive deep today in this conversation. So I want to give a quick trigger warning as well as we talk about eating disorders, childhood sexual abuse, and self-harm. And both Emily and Ashley share their stories of what kind of brought them into therapy themselves, how they met, how they decided to start a podcast, and why they titled it Because We Went to Therapy, which I just love. And then we just get into a whole bunch of what they've actually learned from their therapy journeys and their podcasting journey and all that. So it really does get insightful and It's cool to hear both of their directions, so Emily being a therapist and Ashley being a fitness instructor, they come from two different professional backgrounds, so they also have that experience that gives them different perspectives and wisdom and all that fun stuff. So without further ado, I'm going to play this recording, and yeah, I just really hope you enjoy it and can gain something out of it. I was also a guest on their podcast, so I'm going to throw the link to that episode in the notes as well. So if you like this one, be sure to check that one out as well. As always, thank you so much for listening to The Revolutionized Mind, and I hope you enjoy. So 
today we're here with Emily, a therapist, and Ashley, a fitness instructor, and they are the podcast hosts of Because We Went to Therapy, which I just love that title. Um, And I'm just really happy that we got the chance to connect and I guess learn more about your journey and some of the things that you've learned along the way. So before we dive into that, do each of you just want to give a brief introduction? Sure. So I'm Ashley. I currently live in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, but I've kind of been all over the place. I'm originally from central Illinois, um, about three hours south of Chicago, and then I moved to Omaha, Nebraska after college, then moved back to Illinois for a while, and then moved up to Milwaukee. I live up here with my boyfriend, and I previously worked in, you know, like a normal nine to five office setting. I have a degree in food business. And then a couple months ago, I kind of said, screw it. And just went into teaching cycle classes full time. And now I teach cycle bar and strength classes. And then we'll see what comes next in the future. I kind of threw the plan out the window, but really, really passionate about mental health. And Emily and I are best friends from college. So we've always wanted to do well, at least in the last like year or so, we were always talking to each other about mental health conversations and, you know, in reference to like pop culture and things going on there. And we were like, we should just make a podcast so other people can listen to us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's exactly it, Ashley. Um, but my name's Emily. I am originally from Chicago, Illinois. Like Ashley said, we met in college um, and we started our podcast back in January. So we're still new, uh, but I am a licensed therapist and now I'm based in Phoenix, Arizona. I specialize in trauma and eating disorders, but I kind of, you know, I see it all, anxiety, depression, bipolar, and um, I, yeah, I've been in Phoenix for about, oh my gosh, almost like six years now. Crazy that we've been out of school for that long, actually, but I've been here for about six years. I work in private practice and I love what I do. I'm really excited to be here with Angelica. Amazing. Well, that's awesome. Thank you to both of you for sharing that. And I guess diving a little bit deeper into your story, each of you and how you connected and decided to start a podcast. How did you come up with the name? Was this something that you guys both knew each other were in therapy? And how did that come about? Yeah, Emily, I think this might have been the first podcast name and like the only one that we ever considered. Do you remember any other ones that we even thought of? I think we just we're texting each other like with the concept of the podcast and then we were like oh how about we just call it because we went to therapy because that's literally all we want to talk about is mental health (laughs) um but I think we got into the concept after Emily went into the mental health space in her professional life and then I've also been going to therapy for a few years and I've been wanting to I guess you could say considering like going back to school for something mental health related and I was taking some psychology classes online just to see if I you know liked it because I hadn't taken any classes really since I was an undergrad years ago so Emily and I both knew like within our college friend group we were the ones both really really interested in mental health like I said before we were just always texting about it, talking about it, giving each other advice. Like I would go to Emily all the time just for like little therapy questions or like how do I reinforce these boundaries or whatnot just for advice. And then 
eventually, I mean, we probably talked about doing a podcast together for what, like six months before we actually did it. We were really, really scared, I think, to do it at first. Yeah, I can definitely echo that. We were scared to just launch it, but it's kind of just like, I don't know if you felt this way, Angelica, but you kind of just got to do it, right? Like, even though it's scary, you just kind of have to do it. Um, And I think for me, as a therapist, I work in private practice, which uh, most people probably know what that is, but basically, like, I just see clients on an outpatient regular weekly or biweekly basis. And I always wanted to talk more about mental health, not in a therapy space, because I think talking about it and then providing therapy is so different. And um, I just saw one of my colleagues um, in the mental health field talk about this, like, not gatekeeping mental health information or mental health therapy. And so, Ashley and I do this podcast, like, on our own time, not paid, just to, um, I guess, not gatekeep mental health information, resource, and just talk about it in a different way that's providing one-on-one therapy. And so that's why, like Ashley was saying, we're super passionate about this. So we decided to launch this podcast and to share, like, so many different topics related to mental health that we feel, at least I feel, are not talked about enough, especially outside the therapy room. Mm-hmm, absolutely. I feel like we've delved into some really interesting topics that I don't always see when I search for them on regular podcast platforms. Like we talked um, to an expert about OCD. We're planning upcoming to talk about men's mental health. And we've talked about that a bit in the past, which I feel like, I mean, maybe I'm just not searching for that content as much. So I'm just not finding it. But I feel like we try to work on some really niche topics and things that we've wondered about as well and not found those resources on when we've gone to look so we can try to you know bridge that gap and provide the education. Do you guys have any favorite topics that you've done so far each of you? I know that's broad. No that's okay I think one of my favorite ones was we did we had an OCD therapist on the podcast and I feel like that was one of my favorite conversations because not only like were me and her just on like the same continuum of like how we view therapy and mental health but then she just had so much knowledge to give she has her own podcast actually but like an, an hour just wasn't enough and so that was one of my favorite podcasts mm-hmm. I would definitely say the OCD one in terms of just like pure information and education because there's so much that's misunderstood about OCD and that I really never understood until we talked to the person on the podcast. So I would definitely recommend that one. Just personally, I also really like the attachment theories podcast because that's also something that I feel like learning about attachment theories is kind of trendy right now. Like you see TikToks about the different types. It's kind of like a pop psych topic right now. So I feel like that was really interesting. And then also we had our one of our best friends, Courtney, on the podcast and just to talk about friendship and like dealing with mental health within friendship. So I feel like that just even provided another layer to like a personal relationship that we already had and just being able to openly talk about mental health with some of your best friends, I thought was like one of the best experiences I've had. Yeah, I always talk too about like connecting with ordinary everyday people because obviously it's great to have like a therapist and professionals come on and share knowledge. But then again, it's also nice to just chat with your friends or other 
ordinary people will call them that have their own lived experiences because there's so much to gain from just listening to people share what they've gone through, some of the perspectives they've gained. And everybody has a different, I guess, there's cultural differences, racial differences, gender, like there's so many things to consider that might be different from your own upbringing. So there's just a lot to gain from having conversations with people. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. And, you know, now that you bring that up, that reminds me about some conversations we have had, especially with different women in the mental health space that were maybe of different races and just hearing about their lived experiences and just providing that perspective that as white women, Emily and I just don't have or not something that we can inherently relate to and how they navigate their mental health journeys and help their patients culturally was really, really interesting. And I think just provides so much context to like the general lived experience and just how we connect with people. Yeah. So I guess going along with that, we like to get very real and honest on this podcast. So if you each feel comfortable sharing, can you talk about what actually brought each of you into therapy? I know that can be a very personal discussion, um, but if either of you would like to share. Yeah. Yeah, I can start. Um, and you were sharing on our podcast that we just launched today about your story. So we were talking about how like talking about mental health is one of the best ways to destigmatize it and normalize it. So very down to share. Um, so I actually had never, I was in graduate school to be a therapist and I had never been to therapy, which is kind of crazy, like now thinking back on it. Uh, but I did an internship in sex addiction and um it was an IOP for sex addiction and trauma and a lot of times you know people are familiar with this but with sex addiction there's a lot of sexual abuse history and so I um became triggered in realizing that I had suppressed my own childhood sexual trauma for a long time and so I um, went to go see a therapist and she was like you have an eating disorder and PTSD. And I was like, uh, you sure? Cause I don't really feel that way. Like I was like, I can't be studying this stuff in school and then not know I have this. So it was like, honestly, really difficult to be diagnosed with two mental health disorders that I, you know, I knew my relationship with food and my body wasn't ideal, but I didn't realize it was like, you need a higher level of care. So I ended up doing, um, almost a year in a IOP that focused on eating disorders and trauma. And while it was probably the most difficult year of my life, it was completely transformative. And I, you know, I feel so blessed to have been in the internship that while it was like so hard to hear the things that I had to hear on a regular basis, and it was so hard to feel triggered and have to like, remember, like, because I had seriously suppressed my childhood trauma. And so to remember that was really difficult. But, you know, it brought me to uh, my therapist, who I still currently see, and he's amazing. And it also brought me, I did an intensive outpatient therapy. And so it's group therapy and individual therapy. And I still have relationships with some of the women that I was in treatment with and like could not have done it without them. I'm so grateful for that. Um, and so, yeah, I am in recovery now from my eating disorder, which I never thought I could get to. And eating disorders are absolutely debilitating. Um, and so, you know, I feel 
feel really proud of myself for going to treatment and working on my relationship with food and my body. And while I think it's a relationship that you have to work on for the rest of your lives, right? Because it's food and it's your body, two things can't get rid of our body and we need to eat. So I think it'll always be something that I'm working through, but I'm in such a better space with it now. And I'm just so thankful to be in this space. Well, thanks for sharing, Em. I feel like every time you tell that story, I like hear a new tidbit of information that I didn't know before. So I'll try to, I was thinking about my mental health journey earlier and my therapy journey specifically. And I was like, how am I going to limit this to like less than 10 minutes so I don't take up like a whole podcast hour because I feel like there's been different phases throughout my life that I've been on and off therapy. So I initially started going when I was like 17, 18, my senior year of high school, right before I graduated because I was just like, I had just gone through a breakup and I just honestly didn't even know how to deal with like my anxiety and the feelings that I was having because I had undiagnosed general anxiety. I didn't even know like what anxiety really was at the time. Like I grew up in a really small town. There was like no mental health resources at all. It was never talked about at school. Like I thought everybody would just like have constant stomach aches and feel anxious and sick all the time. So I started going to therapy right before I graduated high school And I feel like that really helped set me up for college and, you know, realize that I was living with depression and anxiety and that I could manage it a little bit better as I went into college and moved away. And then since I had moved to college, I only went to therapy for call it like five or six months or something before I moved towns. And I just found it really difficult while I was at school to be able to access like the university mental health resources. And it was always like, I never even went to see a therapist there in my four years because I just felt like it was so difficult. Like there was like five therapists for like 40,000 students or something. It was crazy. It was like absolutely impossible to ever see anybody. So I was just kind of like, all right, whatever, even though on and off during college, I was struggling with really, really bad depressive periods where I like wouldn't even want to leave my room for like days at a time. And like, I don't think anybody really knew what was going on. Like, I don't even know if Emily like really knows like how bad it was, especially during junior and senior year. I couldn't really explain why it was like there wasn't a tangible thing in my life. Like relationships or friendships or school or anything it was just I couldn't handle my depression and anxiety and the stress of college and working at the same time just like figuring out my future so after college I moved to Omaha Nebraska and I worked a really intensive corporate job for the railroad and like I worked a regular you know 40 hour week schedule but I was working like 10 to 15 hours of overtime every week. I had to work holidays, like we were 24 seven. So I was forced to work weekends all the time without like any extra pay or days off or anything. And my, like, it was just such a high stress environment that basically after almost like a year and a half, I kind of broke down and I just quit and I like moved home. And I was like, I don't even know what to do anymore. I was like, I 
and so extremely burnt out. It was such a toxic environment. Like I was being like sexually harassed by um, somebody in management at work and that came to a head and it was just like all this stress. I couldn't handle it anymore. So I just up and quit, like blew up my entire life. And as soon as I moved home, my mom was like, you need to be in therapy. And like, she literally called my like general physician and got a reference for me to a therapist. And like, she set up the therapy appointment because I just like wouldn't even do it, which I'm so thankful for her that she was able to do that for me. And like, she literally had to like drive me to and from therapy because I just like, didn't even want to like deal with it, I guess. So was in therapy there like one to two times a week for probably about a year and I was getting I was feeling a little bit better but I was just trying to figure out like what do I want to do with my life and you know I don't want to go back into working full-time and have another super toxic situation like I had like I just had analysis paralysis like I was getting job offers and having interviews all the time then I would just literally at the last minute back out and be like, no, I can't do this. Like I would get such bad stress and anxiety where I would make myself physically sick. And then through therapy, I realized that I um, had PTSD and I was diagnosed with that because back when I was 14, I was in like an active shooter situation on a class trip in Washington, DC, a white supremacist brought a gun into the Holocaust Museum while we were visiting. Like we had only been there for a couple minutes and he shot and killed somebody. And luckily he was apprehended and wasn't able to continue hurting people, but like that was his goal. So I didn't realize until I started talking about it in therapy. I just brought it up one time like, oh, do you think this could be causing me a little bit of anxiety? And my therapist was like, uh, yeah, probably. So we started working on that. And I realized that that causes a lot of like my situational anxiety. So I was able to work through that. And then finally, I moved to Milwaukee to be up here with my boyfriend at the beginning of 2020 during COVID. And started going through like another kind of depressive state and I immediately I knew I needed to get myself into therapy so got myself to see a therapist up here which I still see her on a bi-weekly basis I went from seeing her twice a week to once a week to now once every other week so found out that also a lot of my depressive states correlate like around my menstrual cycle and I was diagnosed with PNDD, which I had no idea what that was before. And I could send some resources for it because I am not great at explaining it. But basically, it's just a mood disorder that's in the DSM that correlates to like certain parts of your cycle. You can get, you know, like bipolar like symptoms almost or get really bad anxiety, depression, intrusive thoughts, things like that. So I'm able to manage that a lot better now that I can know like what time of the month I'm struggling a little bit more and there's more context to like why that is. I also started Prozac, which literally changed my life. I got into going to the gym and working out and that's really been beneficial for me too. But yeah, that's just 
long story short, sorry, that was really particularly long, but I feel like it's all important context for my story and like kind of shows the progression of how it did take like years and years of talking to different people to kind of get to where I'm at right now. Yeah. Wow. Thank you both for sharing the very vulnerable parts of your journey, because I know these are not so great experiences to sometimes relive, but I think it's really great to share these not so great parts of our lives because it helps others. It helps us acknowledge and accept what we're even going through. So yeah, a few things to say on both. First, Emily, I'm sure that must have been really I guess awkward as like somebody who's in school as a therapist to hear that you were struggling with these things and you were like, wait, what? How did I not know this or put two and two together? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It's kind of, it's funny, right? But like at the time there was so much shame because like I used to like believe that like therapists weren't allowed to have their own mental health struggles, which is so crazy because like the second I started grad school, all my professors were like, we can't enforce therapy, but we highly, highly recommend that you go to therapy. So it's like they didn't expect us to, you know, not have any mental health problems. So I don't know why I created this narrative. And I know I had so much shame from like my childhood. Um, but yeah, it was like, <laughs> I make a joke about it because that's just kind of how I cope with things. Like, oh, the therapist, I didn't know she had X, Y, and Z. But it was like, honestly, there was a lot of shame in like having a diagnosis and being like a therapist and being like gotta help people like I hadn't I didn't step into eating disorder work until after that but I was like doing active trauma work with clients and being like okay crap like I now need to step into the client role and get help yeah and for you specifically I guess in those early stages of your schooling when you were like getting certified were there any specifically hard times where like you might have gotten triggered and you had to pull away from working with a client or doing a specific exercise? So it wasn't so much in school because like our classes were, I always say that like graduate school to be a therapist doesn't teach you um, how to be a therapist. They just teach you like the laws and the DSM and like the experience in internship and practicum. Like that's when you, at least in my opinion, everyone might feel differently, but like when you truly learn how to be a therapist. And so I remember talking to my supervisor at my internship and he was amazing. And I told him everything. And like, I, you know, told them that um, they were in group therapy that week. And there was a guy there who had um, molested his younger sister. And that's very similar to my story. And so that's when I was like, I need to step back from working these specific groups where people do share a lot of those similar histories and so I it was so scary to tell him that because I was like what's he gonna think like I should be able to handle this you know and so and he was so understanding he was like because I was like I need to do an IOP which is three hours a night um for three days out of the week and so I was like I need to make time for this and he was like you absolutely need to take care of yourself like totally understand that this like this place the place I did my internship while I'm so grateful for it it is so crazy like they would have PAs come to do their mental health rotation there and the PAs would be traumatized and have to leave early because of the things that we heard here so he was like I totally understand that it's upsetting especially if you have a sexual abuse history it's going to be upsetting um so he was so validating and he's such an amazing therapist so it was great to have that support from someone I looked up to 
Yeah, I was going to say like the word validating. That's what that whole culture sounds like. You know, if one of the other people in that institution like just needed a break and needed to step away, then it was encouraged. It was supported. You weren't frowned upon if you had to go. Um, So I think just like that environment within mental health care is so important because these things come up all the time and you don't know what other people have gone through, whether it's personal or just hearing these things might be heavy for some people. So that's awesome that you were in that environment. I'm really happy to hear that. Yeah, no, it was great. And Ashley, your story has many complex layers to it. Um, But I think it shows a lot of strength that you were able to, I guess, up and leave that one job that wasn't making you happy. And I know it was like a big life transition to just quit, move home, whatever, and then start feeling all these things. So just what was that like at home when, you know, your mom had to drive you to therapy? Like you just couldn't even get yourself in that mindset to be like, I'm worth healing. Like what were some of those thoughts like for you? Yeah, well, thank you for your kind words, but it was really difficult at the time because I had literally, like, uprooted my entire life. Like, I was living with my boyfriend, and, like, he had to move home. We were now doing long distance. We had never been long distance after, like, four years together or something, so that part of my life was there. I felt like I was not worth anything because I always had attached my personal worth to my job or school or like whatever I was doing professionally and to cap it off I moved back to a really small town like I had like one friend that still lived there everybody else that I had grown up with was gone there was nothing to do I wasn't near any of my college friends so I was literally like I said my mom had to drive me to therapy Like, if I ever left the house, it was basically because, like, she made me go do something with her. Like, I would lay in bed literally all day, every day, not do anything, just was not feeling motivated at all. And I really couldn't at the time, like, understand why, or I couldn't see what the next step was or what my life was going to look like, because I feel like for people around our age, especially um for women I don't know if this is just like more common with women than men but I feel like everybody has like a five-year plan especially right after college it's like okay I know what I'm gonna do I'm gonna go to grad school or work this job or whatever and like I've never had a plan I've like I knew that I wanted to be like successful but I didn't know what I had no definition for that at all I was like well I guess I'll just work and like keep making more money and like get better at my job and like that'll be validating and once I started working I realized like I get absolutely no personal worth from this job so now what like I have no idea what else to get it from because I was never really taught anything else so it was just like a complete shift in my mindset that honestly took like two or three years to really get through and to understand and to realize like how you could structure your life differently to prioritize your mental health and your physical health and your boundaries and putting yourself first and your mental health first and just you know really unlearning what I you know had been learning for 23 24 years Yeah, and it's interesting how both of your stories and I guess the majority of people who go to therapy kind of find that 
it feels like a transformational shift just in like how you think how you act obviously that is the purpose of therapy but like they always reach this point where they're like ha what I've been learning has been working I've been applying these strategies and that's why I just love the title of your podcast because it kind of insinuates like because we went to therapy we are much wiser like we are I guess valuable enough to hold this podcast and we can like share things with you that we've learned or that we can bring other people in to talk about so going along with that like what are some of the biggest lessons or revelations that you've gained from your own therapy journey each of you how deep do you want us to get because (laughs) I feel like let's get deep okay okay um well I guess maybe I'll I'll build up to that one um I don't know how familiar you are with um, childhood trauma or specifically like physical or sexual abuse, but something that I carried with me for a long time was that it was my fault and there's something wrong with me and like I was gross or dirty because this has happened to me. And like I still remember this moment in group therapy when I realized that it wasn't my fault what happened to me, nor was it has to have anything to do with, you know, my cleanness as a human being. Um, and that's a, you know, really complex topic, but I just remember that moment in therapy and how, um, like the group therapist, he like stopped and he was like, wait, what did you just say? Because it was so transformative. And for me and like to, to have not those like core beliefs about yourself change, like that was, that was so crazy. And that I think was such a pivotal um, moment in my trauma journey. Um, and for me, like trauma and eating disorder are very, very related because the eating disorder was how I coped with my trauma, like controlling my body and starving myself allowed me to continue to express my trauma. And so that was sort of like the trauma piece. And then the eating disorder piece was realizing, and this is where I feel like it, it gets really deep. And that can be, you know, really hard for people to grasp this concept. And it was really hard for me to grasp it too. But when you um, have an eating disorder, you're actively self-harming, like on a daily basis, whether it is eating too much, eating too little, over-exercising, like whatever it is, like you're actively harming your body, you're going against what your body wants. And so for me to learn that my body had been hurt by somebody else for a lot of years in my childhood... And then I continued to do that in adolescence and adulthood. I continued to, um, we don't talk about eating disorders as self-harm as much as I think we should, but they absolutely are. And so for me to realize I was continuously hurting myself by engaging in these behaviors. And this wasn't like an overnight shift where I let go of my behaviors. That is a very long process, but it was definitely a pivotal moment for me to be like, I don't want to actively hurt myself anymore. Um, and not everyone thinks about eating disorders in that way. So, you know, I'm speaking from how I practice as a clinician in my own personal experience, but that's how I viewed it. And it was really helpful to to view it in that standpoint and realize that I don't want to do that anymore. Like I had been through enough as a kid. My body's been through enough as a kid. I don't want to continue to, one, hate my body and two, um, hurt it. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. I think the aspect of overeating or undereating is something that is a form of self-care. Absolutely. I agree with you on that. But some people might struggle with hearing that because just where they're at in their own, I guess, eating disorder journey, they might not view it that way. So we're not going to, I guess that's not set in stone, Absolutely. but it is an act of 
hurting your body. You are not nourishing your body in the way that you're supposed to be. So in terms of physical health, like you are not doing what's best for yourself. So that transformation, I'm sure after dealing with it for so long must have been really refreshing to like even just internally change those beliefs around what you were doing. And that can kind of slowly start helping you view your relationship with food and your body in a different way. Yeah, and it absolutely did. Like like I said, it did not happen overnight. And I really like that you gave that disclaimer that not everyone's going to view it like that. And that's absolutely okay. You know, everybody's relationship with food and their body is going to be different. And even as an eating disorder therapist, I tailor things differently to each client because that's just how it is. But that's just something that really helped me. And if you're listening and it helps you, then I'm glad because, like I said earlier, eating disorders are so debilitating. And like that's why it's my life mission to help people heal their relationship with food and their bodies. Amazing, Ashley. And I think just the biggest takeaway that I have had from my therapy journey and then also, you know, this podcast and being more open and transparent about my mental health has been that one, I know that if I get into a depressive state or if something monumental happens in my life or a situation comes up or there's a big life change like I know that things are workable and I know that I have the resources there that I've learned in therapy and then I know that I have a trusted therapist that I can talk to or even if it was years down the road like I would be totally okay with starting therapy again if I wasn't in it at that point in time so just knowing that I have those resources is almost like a huge comfort for me in terms of my mental health and just knowing that like I might suffer momentarily but it's not going to be forever like I used to think that it was and then also it's given me a lot of empathy for other people and just more of an understanding of okay this might be why somebody's acting in this way or coping in this way or why they're treating me this way and not that that excuses other people's behaviors but it just gives more context to okay like people aren't just good and bad it's not just black and white thinking anymore it's I can look at the layers of people and understand and empathize a bit more and then the last thing that I think has been the most transformational with this podcast and just like generally being more open about mental health with my friends is before I never ever was open about it I feel like I was so ashamed of like my anxiety and depression I didn't want anybody to know so I never ever told my friends or reached out for help and now that I'm open about it there's so many people that I'm friends with or just other people that I know that are like, I've gone through something so similar or, you know, they have situations where since I was open about my mental health, they feel comfortable coming and talking to me and being open with me. And I've also talked to some people that said that they were more open to therapy once they were able to kind of like ask Emily or I questions about it. Like, how's the process go? what can I kind of expect because there's such a stigma around therapy and getting help and it can just be so scary to like rip off that band-aid and not know like okay once I start talking about this and start trying to heal it like what's that gonna be like what's that gonna feel like because you're so used to the coping mechanisms that you already have so I think just seeing that I'm able to 
inspire other people to be open about their mental health and just raise that awareness has probably been one of the most important things to me. Yeah, and people still like cringe when you say the word therapy or if you say out loud like, oh, I have therapy. They're like, oh, like you they visibly like make a body movement and they're clearly like disgusted or just uncomfortable with the idea. And that is wild to me. So that's why I love what you said about just being open and honest about your own mental health, your journey, what you're doing, because the more we talk about it, like we've said, the more normalized it will become. But also I talk about a lot like the more you acknowledge it yourself, the better a relationship you're going to have with yourself, with your mental illness, with your own mental health journey. Like you'll start to understand it better. You'll start to accept it more and you won't feel so much internal shame about it. That way you can talk about it more externally. And I think there's just so many benefits to actually sharing these parts that are not so great. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I remember when I first started therapy, I couldn't say the word sexual abuse at all. Like when we were in um, group therapy, like I would never say it. I would just say what happened when I was younger or my childhood stuff. Like I could never label it. And so now I can openly talk about it. And like, I never thought that that would be progress. You know what I mean? But now I can see that that is. And I think you're absolutely right that like you change your relationship with your mental health journey. It no longer becomes something that controls you, but rather you can kind of like Ashley, you were saying like, you know, if you have a depressive episode, you can like access resources, right? And so I really agree with what both you're saying is that when we can actively talk about our story, it really does change the relationship we have with it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And it, like Emily was saying, it really changes the power dynamic and it, I feel like it just gives you power back over your own story and feeling like you are in the driver's seat of your own life is like the best way I know how to put it before I feel like my anxiety and depression were completely controlling me like I was not in control of my life at all like I was constantly just trying to deal and survive which is that's okay because that's just where I was at the time but now I can actually like set goals for myself and live life how I want to which like, I am seriously, like, the happiest I've ever been, and I know it won't be like this forever, but right now I'm, like, just so glad that I have my mental health, you know, relatively in check, like, in, in conjunction, like, how it was before, so that's why I'm constantly advocating for, you know, people to go to therapy or even just to talk to your friends or family or to get some type of emotional outlet and to know that, like, you're not alone. And other people have had similar situations or are hurting too. And it's okay. Like there are resources out there for you and like you might feel hopeless, but there is help out there and you will feel better eventually. I know that's like the hashtag thanks I'm cured thing. Like, <laughs> oh, just go to therapy and you'll be fine. Like it, you know, for me, it did take years and years and a very layered approach, but I would rather for myself, I'm glad that I have taken that time and have therapy on my schedule and take that time for myself. It's like the ultimate self-care. Yeah. And I like what you said too, about like, you're super happy right now, which I'm super happy to hear that, but like, you know, it's not going to be that way forever. And I think that's just another 
important small thing that you need to not keep in the back of your mind as like like you're waiting for the next bad thing to happen but just knowing that through life like it is a roller coaster you're gonna have ups you're gonna have downs some things might not go in your favor and I think that's why the tools we get from therapy or doing this work like that's what it prepares us for is when things don't necessarily go the way we want when we maybe experience a failure when something bad happens if we lose someone we love like these things are inevitable and they'll always come and go so it's important that we do have those skills and that we understand ourselves in a way that we can take care of ourselves mm-hmm. and I can even like give a different perspective on like not just when things go wrong but like I'm getting married in October, and I remember my therapist saying, like, I know you're doing really well in your um, eating disorder recovery, but, like, brightorexia is a real thing, that, like, this pressure that women have to look a certain way on their wedding day is a very real thing, and so he was like, even though this is a really exciting thing, like, we're going to have to actively work to make sure that you don't fall for that, you know, being super thin or... um, Heather McMahon, if you know who she is, or maybe I'm saying her, she came out and she was like, why is it a thing that, like, brides have to be emancipated for when they get married? And I was like, I love that you put that out there because it's so true. And so it's like, you never know, like, when something's going to come up that you might need to work on. So, yeah, having those tools and also knowing that you can, like, my therapist was like, we're going to, we're going to prevent this. Like, we're going to do our best to make sure that, you know, you're, relationship with your body doesn't steal from the happiness of getting married and so yeah just kind of offering that like it could not just be when things go wrong but also like when you have really great things happening yet you know our mental health journeys are everlasting right and so you know anytime something could come up for you yeah and I love that you said the word prevention because I think that's super key it's that doing these things on the days when you feel good that way you know on the days that you don't feel good maybe forcing yourself to get up and go for a walk is something that you know is going to help you so we obviously want to catch things in the prevention stage we don't want to let it get to the intervention where things are already bad and you don't know how to help yourself which unfortunately I think that's when a lot of people enter the therapy space when things are bad and that's when they need the most help so if you are in that space that's totally cool depending on where you're at in your journey I've been there you two have both been there as well um Yeah, it's really just a whole process of learning about yourself, how you choose to respond to situations, what works for you and what doesn't work for you, because that's equally as important. And like you said, it is an everlasting thing. It's constantly going to ebb and flow as we grow through life, which is totally, it's fun. It's exciting. (laughs) Life is supposed to be fun. (laughs) It's not supposed to be like happiness at all times right like there's going to be ebbs and flows in your mental health journey and that's normal and like we need to normalize that right like actually like kind of like you said Angelica like we're so happy that you're happy right now um but knowing too that life ebbs and flows and that's okay absolutely and that reminded me I remember a couple months ago I was talking to my therapist and I had really gotten through I don't want to say like the bulk of my issues because just like we were saying, like things ebb and flow, but I had done a lot of work on like my trauma. So once we had, you know, kind of completed that cycle, she was like, you know, if you wanted to take a break from therapy, like that's totally fine. I, you know, we can talk about like, if you feel like you're kind of in a good place right now, but she said also some people just 
do kind of forever therapy and they just have it on the schedule and they keep going. I was like, yep, I'm going to be one of those people, (laughs) at least for the foreseeable future, because I mean, even the last year, like I've had shit come up where I'm like, I just have a really bad month and I'm glad that I never stopped going to therapy because now I really need it. So even on the weeks where I'm like, I don't even really know like what to talk about specifically, but like there are going to be times in the near future that I'm going to. So I didn't want to validate like there are some people that you can go to therapy for like six months or a couple years and kind of work through your goals and what you want to work on and then you can exit and that's totally fine and acceptable or you can go for as long as you want and that's okay as well whatever it, everybody is different your therapist is like trying to get rid of you slowly and you're like <laughs> nope not going anywhere sorry you're stuck <laughs> I know I was like am I the drama are you trying to like break up with me but yeah I think that it was good that she kind of offered me that suggestion because I thought that was beyond her for being transparent like we had worked through what my initial goals were but then I was like you know what life's been kind of crazy the world's been insane lately like I know I'm gonna need to come back so let's keep me on the books (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah that is super great that you have that resource and somebody who is willing to be open and honest with you about both her journey as a therapist and your journey as a client And so we've kind of covered a bit of the internal stuff, but moving a little externally, I want to know, like, is there anybody that you each look up to that would be like a dream guest on your podcast, whether it's related to mental health specifically or just a super awesome person? Emily, I feel like ours is going to be the same answer. Should we answer (laughs) three? Sure. All right. Three, two, one. Renee, Renee Brown. Brown. Nice. <laughs> she's she's probably like you know unattainable, just in like that she's so famous in the mental. I'm sure she gets that request like all the time. But yeah, Ashley and I really look up to Brene Brown. But I think somebody um, like not as famous as Brene Brown that I would love to have on the podcast is Victoria Garrett. I love her. Yes. Oh my God. Yes. She's my favorite. I literally love her. I love her podcast, Real Pod. Um, yeah, I, of course, you know her because she was also an athlete and super big advocate for mental health. But yeah, I feel she also had an eating disorder. And so I just, I really connect with her on a lot of things. She's also about to get married. So I just. I was going to say, when you were first talking about the bride stuff, I was like, I was going to suggest to you after we ended this, I'm like, go check her out because she's talking a lot about the body image for brides, which has been super helpful for a lot of people. Yes. And she's definitely been helpful for me that she's so open and transparent about it. And so, yeah, I would love to have her on the podcast because I feel like she could be my best friend. Like, you know, (laughs) no offense, Ashley, but I feel like me and Victoria. (laughs) Going to start another podcast with her. (laughs) Um, I think my ultimate is definitely Brene Brown, but there was a couple months ago where there's this YouTuber that I watch all the time, Kenzie Elizabeth, and she's not like she talks about mental health, but that's not what her platform's about. She's more just like a general vlogger. And I heard her talking about mental health on a YouTube video. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to email her and see if she wants to come on the podcast. Like, There's probably a 0% chance she even reads it. 
and I emailed her and she responded like immediately and we ended up meeting her and podcasting with her and I was just like oh my god who would have ever like I would have never had the guts to do that a year ago like to reach out to somebody that has a big platform and to like put myself out there but I just have so much more confidence now that I'm like, you know what, whatever. If she doesn't respond, like, I literally don't lose. It's totally fine. <laughs> so, yeah, I feel like, you know, the sky is the limit, hopefully, for us. Maybe we will get Brene Brown eventually. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, we should all just spam Brene after this. Just repeatedly email her yeah. until she responds to one yeah, of us. Literally. <laughs> yeah, who's your Who's your dream, dream guest? Um, so Victoria Garrick is like my idol in terms of like everything she does, advocacy, her platform, her podcast. And because of that student athlete element, like I just connect with everything she says. I love her. Um, but Glennon Doyle is also just one of my favorite people alive. I love her. I love her work. Um, she's the author of Untamed, which is my favorite book. And just, so I was talking about her on yours as well. She's married to Abby Wambach and they just do a lot of social justice and activism work and I admire them but I also am a huge Brene Brown fan I own all of her (laughs) books I'm currently reading Braving the Wilderness which is really interesting Um, but yeah I think she is incredible I can listen to her talk all day (laughs) we like knew our podcasts were similar but like we're also really similar and so I love this I love this new new friendship that we have (laughs) yeah we'll have to do more episodes in the future for sure um, but I guess like wrapping up this one, what has the experience of podcasting actually been like for both of you? Like the internal pressures, like Ashley was just saying, it's so scary to just send that email and put yourself out there. Like it's a lot. Um, so what have been some of the highs and lows of this whole experience? I feel like the heart, like it's really been a great experience so far. The hardest part has probably just been the time management of like, okay, we need to make time to be able to come up with a topic and then flesh it out and make sure that we're actually providing like valuable content and not just rambling. And then sitting down and like Emily and I are in different time zones. We're two hours apart and just figuring out when we're going to record and edit with our opposite schedules. That's probably the most difficult part, but it's a hundred percent worth it for like the little stress that it does bring and I would say the best part has probably been just like the confidence that I've gotten from like if I can put a podcast on the internet like I don't even have social media myself like neither Emily or I are people that are really like out there on socials or like influencers by literally any means so I feel like if I can do a podcast I could probably literally do anything like I'm already out there so just bring it on (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah I definitely agree with everything Ashley was saying and I think for me like it's an interesting dynamic to be a therapist and have a podcast because I, I I am very open on the podcast and you know I I know that my clients may be listening to this right and so I think there's this like dialect of like trying to be like myself and trying to be open and share a lot and then also know that like I'm putting this out in the open like I'm sharing a lot about my personal life which I like to do because you know all the reasons we talked about but like just making sure too that I'm presenting in a way that if a client heard me say something it would be 
how I want to be perceived. And obviously there's only so much I can do to control that. And like if a client heard my podcast and was like upset by something, like, you know, hopefully they come and like share with me that. But yeah, I think while I absolutely love talking about and being open about so many different things, just having that always in the back of my mind that like, okay, you're a professional, like you have to maintain some sort of professionality, even though like this is not related to like my clinical work. I mean, it is, but it, it's not like a, a subset of like of my, the place that I work for or anything like this is personal, but I, there's still that like element of being professional. So that's been something that's like, not like a huge stress or anything, but just something that I keep in the back of my mind. Yeah, that's scary too. I guess it's just like the dangers of saying anything on the internet, like anybody can bring it back to you. And that's hard when you're just having a conversation as like fluid and conversational as we try to make podcasts. Like, you know, I swear on my podcast, I try to make it open and whatever. Yeah. But then (laughs) I have like my parents being like, what if what if a future boss listens to that? Like, you don't sound that professional. I'm like, well, it is what it is. <laughs> this is me. Take it or leave it. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's an important conversation. So the pros definitely <laughs> outweigh the cons, I think, in this situation. Yeah. And I have definitely struggled with a lot of like imposter syndrome tendencies of having my own podcast and a lot of the social media aspects, like dancing on reels or doing all these things that like you need to do to grow your brand and platform um so a lot of that has been really hard for me just mentally like in my own mind saying what am I doing who am I to put this content out everybody's judging you everybody's watching you like all these little questions have either of you guys dealt with that oh yeah for sure I feel like speaking for myself at least I definitely have imposter syndrome when it comes to the podcast and then also the fact that I'm a fitness instructor because literally 18 months ago, I didn't even work out. I didn't even belong to a gym. Like I was not in the kind of like athletic shape that I'm in right now, but we totally feel you. Like it's so difficult to put yourself out there and be like, I wonder what this person that I went to college with seven years ago is going to think like if I post this podcast and it's like, it really doesn't I don't want to say it doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things but it's like whatever if somebody has an opinion about the three of us talking about mental health or these like hard to talk about topics like that just means they need to work on their own stuff and hopefully I think there's more people something that I try to remind myself is more people are getting like positive experiences from our content and you know, they're feeling validated by hopefully what we have to say and the resources that we provide that it outweighs anything negative that can come from it. Yeah, I definitely try to rely more on those positive messages. Like when I get one that says this episode really helped me, this topic really helped me, then it kind of, I guess, outweighs maybe some of the judgment I'm scared that I'm facing. Or if somebody like shares a piece of content that I know is not being reshared, I'm like, who sent this to who? Who's saying what about me? Like my brain just goes spiraling sometimes, which is not healthy at all, but I'm working on it. (laughs) It's normal. You're only human. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, this has been amazing. Um, I know this first episode was kind of more just getting to know you guys, but now hopefully once this episode goes out, we can have you back and we can discuss some other topics in more detail and talk about 
maybe some more things going on in the world that are super important. So thank you to both of you. I think you're doing amazing work. Obviously, our platforms are very similar. Um, so I'm excited that we built this connection and I'm excited to continue to grow with both of you. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having us. We can't wait to do more. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Same here. Thank you. Wow, so much of what they said is sticking out to me. I just want to highlight everything, but I'll try to pick a few here quickly. The first one being what Emily was saying about eating disorders being self-harm. This is something that I've thought about a lot over the years, and it's something that I think a lot of people struggle to understand because when most people hear the word self-harm, they automatically and only think cutting. That is the first form, the only form that people really perceive self-harm. But there are many actions and behaviors that align with what self-harm really is and kind of what the purpose of it serves in terms of when people are using it as an escape or a distraction, whether that's drugs and alcohol, whether it's an eating disorder, whether it's over-exercising. Like there are a lot of things that we do or choose to do sometimes that are an act of self-harm when we're not really living in line with what our mind-body-soul wants. And as I was editing, I also noticed I said self-care instead of self-harm when I responded to Emily about this, and I was going to go back and fix it, but I was just too lazy. So I'm going to correct myself here. I obviously meant to say self-harm, not self-care. <laughs> just as a clarifier there, moving on. But yeah, I think it's a really great point, and I also just wanted to emphasize again, obviously not everybody is going to look at it that way, and depending on where you're at currently in your journey, or maybe you have a loved one going through it, that might also be a trigger for someone to hear that what they're doing is a form of self-harm. So obviously, take it with a grain of salt, we're not saying this is the way and the only way, but definitely a new perspective to consider. And I also really enjoyed listening to Ashley's story of her therapy journey and I know she said it was a bit complicated and she tried to keep it short and I'm sure there was more she had to leave out but I think it's something a lot of people can relate to maybe not the therapy aspect but the changes in your life how she decided to quit her job and move back home she was doing long distance with her boyfriend she couldn't find the strength in her to even go to therapy or admit that she needed help because there was just so much going on in her brain and I think it's really awesome that she had her mom by her side to really push her in a positive way towards getting that help. And then now just hearing like her thoughts about therapy today after going through so many years of change and transition, like career-wise as well, that's a huge shift. So to know that she sees it as a valuable resource and it's something that's in her calendar. Even if she doesn't have anything to talk about, she'll find something to work through or discuss or get new strategies, whatever it is. I think just having that mindset going into therapy really helps you get the most out of therapy. So it's really awesome to hear that journey and kind of how she's gotten to where she's at today. So yeah, I think I'm going to leave it at that. I could break down everything that they said. Obviously, you know me, I always love talking, but... If anything else particularly stood out to you, please let me know, let us know. We love to hear what kind of messages or topics really resonate with our listeners. So if there was something in here that you can relate to, or maybe you just have general feedback on, please don't hesitate, send it our way. 
Again, thank you so much for listening to today's episode or any episode that you've ever listened to. Thank you so much. It really means the world to me. I hope you have an amazing rest of your day and weekend, and I will be back with another episode next Friday. Bye.